purse snatched on 60th Street. She just performed back-to-back procedures and was on her way to buy $200 worth of money orders to send to her mother down south who was raising B.B.'s severely retarded child. The market two blocks over started disrespecting the hard-working homeowners around here by keeping dirty floors and wilted lettuce and day-old bread. And now this. The tree in front of Joe and Louise's house died. It was the summer of 69, and Joe missed that tree. Missed it so much that he put awnings out front to try and duplicate its shade. Generally upbeat, Joe felt sad about the tree right now as he stood on his porch at two in the morning, shocked again by the sight of the stump where the tree should be. Felt sad generally right now, even though this was the night that his close-knit block of Cecil Street had opened itself up for the annual block party, and Joe had even danced in the street earlier to Boogaloo Down Broadway. He reasoned he was absorbing what the rest of the block seemed to be feeling lately, edgy and discontented. Otherwise, he had no explanation for why, now, he was out on his porch at two in the morning, lifting up the square of the porch floor that led to his cellar. He hadn't been down in the cellar since the spring, but he pushed through the dust and mold and spiderwebs down there, and the darkness. He'd forgotten about the short in the light. His hand went instinctively to his shirt pocket for matches to give himself a spark to see by. Remembered now, no shirt pocket because he was wearing a dashiki. Didn't usually wear dashikis, but had worn one for the block party. Worn it also, hoping to impress the young woman, Valadine, up here for the summer, visiting relatives across the street. Who are you supposed to be, Super Black Jack? His wife, Louise, had remarked when she'd seen him in the dashiki. He stretched his arms through the black air in the cellar, trying to feel his way so that he wouldn't collide full body into what he could not see. Couldn't see, stacked along the wall, the boxes that should have gone to goodwill the month the light went. Couldn't see the milk crates filled with his teenage daughter's outgrown toys. Couldn't even see the oil heater that took up a quarter of the wall. Nor could he see the puffy-haired, naked woman making herself go flat against the wall between the toys and the heater. Ducey Powell. She wasn't from this part of Philly. She had turned onto Cecil Street earlier, looking for her grown daughter's house, wanted to reintroduce herself to her daughter after a gulf of 17 years, wanted to reclaim her. But she'd gotten disoriented by the block party and ended up naked in the cellar. She held herself stiffly, almost behind a wooden pony, as Joe walked past. She hoped that if he happened to turn and look down and see her through the darkness, that at least she'd have the appearance of one of those life-size walkie-talkie dolls. Being caught down here could land her back in Byberry, the crazy house, she called it, and she was desperate not to die there. But Joe couldn't see her, couldn't even feel her naked presence, felt the presence of only one thing as the shapes down here slowly came into view and he was looking at the tall, wide chiffre robe drawn to it. He opened the doors to the chiffre robe and was bombarded with the scent of mothballs as he leaned in and riffled through the sweaters and blankets and whatever else was wool and for wintertime use. Tossed things around in there until he felt it, that unmistakable corrugated roughness.
just like he'd packed it away all those years ago in the bottom of this chest. Joe had played a tenor sax in clubs up and down the Mid-Atlantic before he'd married Louise. When they'd first moved to Cecil Street 15 years ago in 1954, the year that Joe quit the club life, he would sometimes stand out on his porch in the mellow warmth of a summer night and blow. People sitting out would even applaud when he was done. One night as he played, he thought about a woman he'd spent time with before Louise. C. Not her real name, but the one she went by at Pat's place, the speakeasy brothel where the band would go to unwind when they were doing Philly. The first time Joe held C, she'd cried on his chest. That melted him for her. He became her regular, looked for opportunities to come to Philly to be with her.